Good morning, everybody. Very warm welcome to you all. It's good to see you. Um, if you're a visitor, special welcome to us here. And if you're watching online as well, it's good to have you with us online this morning. Just a couple of notices for you right at the beginning. Uh, so next week, next Sunday morning, we have a baptism service. Uh, so very much looking forward to that. Corey Hitchcock is getting baptised, God willing. Uh, so looking forward to that. We have got the overflow um, that we can use to good effect as well if we get a really good number. Uh, so very much looking forward to that. And on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, we have a church meeting uh, and it's a testimony meeting. Uh, so that's Tuesday evening, those who are church members, uh, we have a testimony meeting. Well, last week, if you were here, uh, you'll remember uh, that we thought about wise ears. So we thought about wisdom, about the sorts of things we hear, uh, the, the voices we listen to. And I know that a good number of us found it very practical, very helpful, it was useful. And this morning, uh, we're looking at wise words and the things that we say, things that come out of our mouths. So um, we're looking forward to that, trusting that it will be useful again. John, our pastor, is preaching and we're praying that it will be very helpful for us. Before John comes and speaks to us this morning, we've got three readings and we've got two uh, songs. And just think about, as we're listening to the reading and also as we're listening to the songs, think about how they link in to this topic of words, words that we speak. So you might not realise this, but quite a lot of thought often goes into the, the hymns and the songs and what we what we sing, we often link them into the theme. And uh, sometimes it's a bit of a shame that we don't hear the message until after we've sung them and then you realise, <laughs> oh, that's why we sang it. So, you know the theme. As we sing, be thinking about what's this saying about our, our words. So we're going to sing our first song this morning and it's Tell Out My Soul, The Greatness of the Lord, Unnumbered Blessings, Give My Spirit Voice. So we're going to sing... And then after that, we've got the first reading. sang it twice. Well, I'm going to pray and ask God to help us as we understand his word. 
Heavenly Father, as we look now at Proverbs, and as John comes to explain it later, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take it in, to understand it, and to be able to apply it. Lord, do help us now, I pray. Be with us. Calm our minds. Help us to listen. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this one is uh, from Proverbs 12, verse 17 to 28. So Proverbs chapter 12, verses 17 to 28. This is the first of the three readings. And just a reminder to look out for the Proverbs that are about the words that we speak. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labour. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbour, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. So that's reading number one, and now I'm going to invite Luke up to do the children's talk. Thanks Luke. Well, good morning, kids. Um, Today is the 12th of September, which means that yesterday was the 11th of September. That's how it works, isn't it? But yesterday was an important anniversary of something that happened 20 years ago. And I don't know if any of you will know what happened on the 11th of September, 2001. Quite a big event, a tragic event happened 20 years ago. Does anyone know what it is? Oh, Annie, yes. Yes, the Twin Towers. So, there you go. Can you see the Twin Towers? They're up right in the middle of the picture. So, this is a picture of the New York skyline. It looks pretty impressive, doesn't it? You've got some, uh, some great architecture there, lovely picture. And there was a tragic event where, sadly, some evil men took control of some planes and they crashed into both of the Twin Towers, which you can see on the next picture. If, yep, there. Can you see that terrible... Terrible event happened there, and there were many people that work in these uh, big office blocks, is basically what they are, there's over 100 floors in each tower, and so there were thousands of people in the building, and these uh, early, it was about, I think, quarter to nine one morning, um, out there in, in New York, and the planes crashed into the towers with all these people inside. As you can imagine, there were lots of lives lo- uh, lost, and, um, but there's one man I wanted to just uh, pick out, and his name is, sorry, do you mind moving on? Frank Demartini. Now, Frank Demartini worked on the 88th floor of the North Tower, which was hit first. And uh, he was upstairs with his wife. They'd got, to, they'd got to the office nice and early, and they were enjoying a cup of coffee together in his office. And he was the manager of a small team of about 30 people, and they were on the 88th floor. And when the planes hit, they, uh, they hit, uh, I put a little red arrow there, I don't know if you can see that, and that's roughly about where he was and the plane hit between the 93rd and the 97th floor, so about five floors above where he was working. Now, they had no idea what was going on, 
And, uh, and so Frank went to investigate. They thought perhaps a bomb had gone off upstairs. He went out and to see all this chaos out in the stairwells. And he was checking the emergency exits to see how he could safely get his team out. Now, sadly, two of the staircases were all blocked up, but he found one. Staircase C was available. And he went back and he said, right, team, we need to get out. We need to get downstairs to safety. We're going down staircase C. So he counted his, carefully counted his team out, made sure everyone had left, and his wife at the end. And as she left, he said, I'm following, you. I'm following right behind you. Anyway, they, off they went, and uh, Frank was at the back. Just as Frank was about to go down the stairs, he heard some banging upstairs and a muffled voice. Help! Help! See, Frank didn't know what to do. All he sees is his team going downstairs to safety. He looks at his colleague and he says, we're going to have to go up. So they went up to floor 89, so they're getting closer to where the plane had hit. And they could hear banging on the door. And these people were all stuck from another company. Another team were working upstairs. They were all stuck and the door was jammed. They couldn't get out. So he and his friend managed to get a crowbar and they had to smash the wall to release these people. And the people came running out. Thank you so much. And off they went, sent them down staircase C. Go down staircase C to safety. Now, the sad part of the story here is that Frank was never seen again. And it's believed that Frank continued to go upstairs to try and help get people out who were stuck out of their offices and down, uh, down the stairs. And uh, now I'm sure you can kind of see where I'm some of the old ones might be to see where I'm going with this. This man sadly lost his life because the tower crumbled and, uh, and, and fell. And of course, he was on floor 90. That's a long way to, fl- uh, to fall with all of that building material around you as well. And his body was never found. And it was believed that he continued to go up higher and higher looking for people to, to rescue. And that, of course, is a wonderful story. We re- rightly remember heroes like, like Frank who did... Such, brave, such a brave act, going up those stairs and rescuing all these people, but he never got out himself. And uh, it reminds me of Jesus, who gave his life so that the people that put their trust in him can be rescued. There's a verse from the children's Bible there, Jesus died for us so that we can live together with him. And in the same way that Frank could have got himself down to safety, but he, he, he knew people needed rescuing, and he went off upstairs to rescue people that, that were stuck, that were in trouble, that's what Jesus is doing as well. And Jesus continues to do that today. And uh, I just, what a wonderful thing that is. And, and of course, when Frank was going upstairs, he wasn't worried about who he was rescuing. All he knew was that there were people that needed rescuing. It didn't matter if they were young, it didn't matter if they were old. And I think that's an important lesson for all of us, that you're not too young to be rescued. We all need to be rescued. And like the, uh, like the Twin Towers crumbled that day and eventually fell, the earth will one day won't be here either. And I just want you to think about, think about that. It's a very sad story. But what a great hope we have that Jesus, took the, Jesus died so that we can live. And I hope if you haven't uh, followed Jesus yet, that you might think about that today. And I know you hear this week in and week out, and perhaps you even get a little bit bored of hearing the same message every week. But it's because it's such an important one, and it involves all of us. It matters about you, it matters about me. But we've got such a great hope that Jesus died for us. And if we believe in Jesus as our Saviour, then we can live together with him. Thank you. Lovely. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. So children, whenever you see pictures in the future, and I'm sure you'll continue to see pictures each year, something to remember, isn't it, what Jesus does for us. We've got our second reading now. This is from Proverbs chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. Proverbs chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. So it says this, A soft answer turns away wrath, But a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. 
In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the heart of fools. So that's our second reading, and I'm going to invite John Cowley up now for an announcement and the prayer. So thanks, John. So I just want to say before I pray, we have had some um, advertised, some good ladies' events. So ladies, I hope you've been looking out for those. Forest Bowl Retreat, the Bold Convention. Uh, But men, we're not uh, totally overlooked. We have our own event coming up very soon, a Forest Fold Men's Evening. And I just wanted to plug that now. So um, after lockdown, we thought it would be really good for us as chaps to have some help and encouragement in terms of uh, uh, strengthening our friendships with others and using opportunities to pass on the gospel. And so we've got an evening around that. It's in just over three weeks' time. It's a a Tuesday evening, the 5th of October, uh, and we've got somebody who speaks on this theme. I asked Wes McNabb who would be a good speaker and he straight away came back with Rob Pickering. Rob is pastor of a church in Selhurst. He's a very down-to-earth guy. He loves the Lord a lot. I've heard him give a seminar on this sort of theme and I think you'll find it a helpful evening. So I'm really pleased that he's coming down to speak to us on that evening. It's 7 till 9.30 at uh, half time we've got some pizzas it's Tuesday so two for Tuesday Domino's pizzas we're able to get and do it at a good price so do have come and have the food as well as the benefit of the training if you don't like pizzas I'm sure we can arrange something else don't let that keep you away so uh, if you'd like to come we we'll encourage uh, many chaps to come then uh, James Russell is the person to, uh, to book with so his email's up there so you can email him or just mention it to James or, if you, James or if you've got questions, ask him or me about the event. So, hoping it will be really useful. Do pray for it. Do book it in chaps if you can. Do add James. Do add me to your list, James. I'd like to come. So put me on your list. Others follow on if you're interested. Good. I think that's all I needed to say on that. Well, shall we come together in prayer? Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, maker of heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, we praise you for your power and for your wisdom, uh, for your goodness and your supreme might. We praise you for your sovereignty, Lord, over all things. Lord, we are reminded that you are Lord over Um, historic events as we've had this uh, sad thought-provoking anniversary we've been reminded of this morning Lord we we are thoughtful those of us who were around then taking in the news knowing the devastation Uh, but we thank you that we know that you are over all things and that even the dreadful wicked schemes and plans of man which do such damage are overruled in your sovereign plan. Lord, we thank you for keeping at bay such um, great uh, terrorist atrocities of that size. Uh, We thank you for the security services which foil and hatch so many of the, uh, prevent the hatching of so many of these plans. We pray, Lord, for safety for us but we rest in you above all things. We praise you that you are sovereign over our individual lives through the good times that many of us have and through the difficult times as well which we experience. Help us to remember that our times are in your hands. May that be a comfort to us through the ups and downs of life. We know that many do have their struggles, uh, their concerns, their health issues, facing deterioration in their health. And we pray for them that they may know your care. 
We remember Jackie Appleton uh, with Amber May in hospital for treatment this coming week. We thank you for Jackie's faith and the way you have strengthened her through so many difficulties. And we pray for her and her family at this time. And we commit to you that delicate life of Amber May. We pray for peace and blessing even in that difficult situation. Lord, we remember that at this time, um, soon students are heading off. We pray for them. We pray especially for those going off for the first time. Lord, we pray that they may um, enjoy going away, that they may settle well with good friends and uh, really make the most of the course and the opportunities that they have. Uh, but we pray that they have it in their heart as well to seek you, to put you first, to have your word in their lives, that it may be a time of growing um, spiritually as well as in their understanding and in their experience of life. Lord, we pray for those returning to college, some going back with uh, responsibilities in their Christian union, uh, slightly different years ahead. We pray, Lord, that they may grow in the knowledge of you, be fruitful, be strengthened, be protected, be wise. We pray for those starting work as well, some amongst us starting new jobs or careers, and we pray too for them that you would bless them as they serve uh, you and others in those responsibilities. They feel nervous about the change, perhaps, and the training they take on. We pray that they may know your help in what they do. We thank you, Lord, for... um, Things are restarting again in September and also because of the easing. Uh, we uh, rejoice to see the Sunday school um, uh, up and running and uh, the children here and parents with them. We pray for John and Steph in that work and the team with them. We thank you for Rooted as well and pray for Mark and the team and those who are in that uh, group. Lord, do bless them with a love for you in the early, in, in these uh, key years of their life. We thank you to see our first steps and first Tuesday go so well this week and we praise you for those ministries and we ask for your blessing on those involved. Lord, we thank you for the different links that we have had over the years with different works of the gospel um, uh, around the globe and we think of Romania and the Crucial Valley uh, with the appointment of uh, a new pastor to assist George in that area. Lord, we do pray that you might be with Pastor Ovidiu as he takes on those responsibilities. We thank you that you've brought many to new life in those valleys and we pray that you would build up the church and that the believers may be a city set on a hill, salt uh, having an effect in the area we ask for good. Lord, we thank you for the prospect of uh, next week and a baptism and we pray that will be a time of joy pray for Corrie that you'd encourage her in the week ahead and we pray for that occasion that it may point to Jesus may be a time of great happiness and praise and a time when others are thoughtful and being brought to uh, be interested in the Lord Jesus Christ Lord we come to you now and we want to be open in our hearts towards your word so much which is rich and challenging and instructive. And as we come together, we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit that this morning's message may be um, a very fitting word for us and our situation and the way in which we go forward. So do help us and bless us, we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Got our third reading now from Proverbs chapter 15, and it's verses 23 to 30. This is Proverbs chapter 15, verses 23 to 30. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. The path of life leads upwards for the prudent, that he may turn away from shield beneath. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. The thoughts of the wicked 
are an abomination to the Lord, but gracious words are pure. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good news refreshes the bones. Well, before John comes and speaks, we're going to sing again. I wonder what you want most in life. Uh, The writer of this next song, what he most wants in life is to, to know Jesus, to be with Jesus, and to know him better. Christ be in my waking as the sun is rising, in my day of working, with me every hour. So let's stand and reflect as we sing.
And now, the message today is relevant to every one of us. Uh, we all use words, some more than others, but we all use many thousands of words each day. And Proverbs has a lot to say about our use of words. Uh, you've been using them already today. I wonder what's come out today. It's come out this last week. Are there words you've said which you remember as saying as important or regretted as saying? Words you've heard from others which have lingered in your mind for good or for bad? Words have an important place in our life. Maybe as we come to this very topic of wise words. Perhaps we're already thinking we could wish we could sink behind the pew or under the desk metaphorically. We sense somebody else is saying, I hope you're listening to this one. Or we're hoping that somebody else is listening to this one. Of course, we don't just speak words these days, uh, perhaps more so in our day than the day in which Proverbs was written, we type them. Our words travel to people's phones or laptops. Much communication is done with the fingers. Proverbs gets us to think about our use of words. We can think about it in both ways. I want to bring quite a lot of different verses. You, you would have been struck by how many in those readings were on the theme of use of words. And those were just three uh, short sections from Proverbs. I'm going to bring a, a number in, um, but I have a key one which is going to hang it together. Uh, that's one that we read. It's Proverbs 12 and verse 18, which says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So our tongue, our words can be used for good or for bad, for harm or for hurt, for wreck or for restoration. I used to mention this verse sometimes in school assemblies and I used to show it in this way, children, so perhaps you can tune in, it might help you for, for this. I used to say that our tongue can be sharp. There is one whose tongue is like the sword thrusts. I said, imagine this is your tongue. Not very nice, is it? Think of the damage, the hurt that something like that could do. But our tongues, according to this verse, there's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Or... It can be like this. It's a plaster. Brings healing, soothing, help, comfort, protection. So your tongue can be like this. It can be like a sword thrust. Or the tongue of the wise can bring healing. It says another proverb, 30 verse 14, a bit like this. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives. true as well with our, what we put on our phones, what we send through our computers. If you like, our fingers can be a bit like this, sharp, painful. Or our fingers and what we type can be a bit like this, something that soothes, helps, comforts. You'd find it horrific, wouldn't you? If somebody had been at school or at home or in a place like this wielding a knife, you think, how awful, how dangerous, how much damage can be done. Yet according to Proverbs, our words can be something similar. Or if you found out that somebody was sending through the post barbed, sharp items which might cut people as they open them up. You think that's horrible. And yet what we send through the electronic post, if you like, can be similar. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise 
brings healings. It's shown by other Proverbs, 16.24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body, like the plaster. A couple of verses later, verse 27 of Proverbs 16, a worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire, like a dragon, hurts, harms, ignites. Some of you who know later in the Bible might think of James chapter 3 where the tongue is seen as a fire. The damage it can done, even just a small word can set off so much. Words that can hurt and words that can heal. We're going to be thinking of some of those from Proverbs this morning. I've picked three groups of each. We could do lots more, but three groups of each, uh, which we're going to put up and think through um, as we think about the use of our tongue and wise words. So, words that hurt, dagger words. What could we include there? Harsh words. Harsh words. I won't say Proverbs each time. Most of the quotes are from Proverbs and as to say otherwise. 15 verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A harsh word stirs up anger. Rough. Lacks feeling. It's unnecessarily snappy. It's a harsh word. Stirs up anger. 1823, the rich man answers roughly. Not kind, it's not caring, it doesn't fall well, it hurts. Sandpaper on your skin. Uh, 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 The rich man answers roughly. You ever look at an email and you feel, ouch. You've written an email and it came across to others as ouch. It was a bit too straight. It wasn't said with feeling. Well, it was said with feeling, but the wrong sort of feeling. And you think about the conversation you had and what you thought was true and needed to be said, but you look back and you realise it was said with irritation and it was said with a desire to hurt somebody. It was rough. It was harsh. 15, 18... A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. So things escalate, don't they, with harsh words. A harsh word stirs up anger. You're irritated maybe with your husband, or you're irritated with your sister, or you're irritated with your son. And it's as if you bark at them, and they bark back, and you bark louder, and they bark louder, and things just get... The war of words just increases. It flares up. You come home tired from school, from work, from the social situation. You're hungry. Angry. Hangry, as they call it. Irritable. You say the word with an edge. You give as good as you get. And it's harsh words. And they're words, aren't they, that have hurt us and we have hurt others. I was thinking back to something I said to a family member a few months ago. I, I thought at the time it needed to be said. It deeply upset them. And I realised afterwards and thought about it a lot of times how unkind, how untimely, how hurtful, how wrong. Other words that can hurt are untrue words. Untrue words. Especially when people realise that they're untrue. And this is sometimes a longer term thing as it involves a a breakdown of trust when they realise that there have been untrue words. Words of lies. Words of deceit. We need to be like Jesus of whom it says there was no deceit in his mouth. He used words perfectly. There's something solid and reliable about truthfulness. And uh, the verse after our text, uh, 12, 19, says this, Truthful lips endure forever, 
But a lying tongue is but for a moment, just short-term benefit. And yet we can be tempted to, sh- to tell an untruth or to shade the truth when it seems to get us out of trouble or when a little exaggeration makes us look better or when we can see that to put it that way will really be advantageous to us. But untrue words bring consequences. A false witness, 19.5, will not go unpunished. And he who breathes out lies will not escape. It is a short-term thing. It doesn't cement long-term trust and relationships. It is not like God, because God is a God of truth. And the Lord sees, and here's what we say, 18.22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Here's one specific that I've often thought, found thought-provoking and it affects negotiation. I quite like the way it's put in the NIV. It's 20 verse 14. It's no good. It's no good, says the buyer. Then he goes away and boasts about his purchase. So you make out the car is not worth buying, it's got all these faults, you're not really sure, you're interested, you drive the price down, you get a a great deal and then you go away and you boast to your friends how great the car is and what a good deal you got. And it's not saying that there's uh, no place for thoughtfulness and negotiation and working out your approach and position, looking to get the best deal. But there's boundaries. We need to be truthful. We need to make sure that what we say is right and fair. Works into practical situations at work, in the home. Untrue words are damaging words. And what else? Gossipy words are words that hurt. Gossipy words. Words passed on to others which are unnecessary, unnecessary bad, unnecessary, untrue, unkind. I've been reading this book, I mentioned it last week, I think it was last week, uh, A Life of the Duke of Edinburgh. And one of the things that struck me is how, how many things were said about Prince Philip and printed about him, which it seems have little or no grounds tabloid headlines and often the person who writes this book, Giles Brandwith interviews him at different points and often as he's talking about events and things that have been made in the press, Prince Philip would just say, well what can you do about it? You just have to live with it and there are millions millions reading slander which sold papers and magazines And it seems as so often there was no grounding in them whatsoever. Gossipy words. Well, we don't have things print about us, probably. Perhaps sometimes we sense that uh, a word is going round about us and uh, and maybe it's fair and true and, you know, we have to pull our hands up and say, yes, I did do that or I shouldn't have done that. But sometimes we find that something's going round about us which isn't fair or kind and often we can't do anything about it. It's just going, doing the rounds of the bongo drums have started to spread the word. Perhaps we sometimes have done that about others. Maybe unwittingly, but maybe out of spite perhaps to make us look better. And Proverbs talks about the appeal and the danger of gossip. Here's three verses in a row from chapter 26. Verse 20 first. For lack of wood the fire goes out and where there is no whisperer, there's no gossip, where there is no gossip, quarrelling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. 
The words of a whisperer, the words of a gossip, are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. They're like cream cakes, sweets. People love a bit of gossip. It goes down, it's tasty. That's why there's so much currency in gossip. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarrelling ceases. So uh, on holiday when we were camping we were able to have a a fire pit and uh, it made it very nice in the evening to be round there talking together, fire pit in the middle and uh, uh, we actually didn't want the fire pit to to go out, we wanted to make it last. We had a certain amount of wood and we didn't want to spend more wood than we needed so I keep putting them on every 20 minutes or so, another thing to keep the thing going so that we could have perhaps a few hours of a fire pit. Well, this proverb is saying that's what gossip does, but in a bad way. So uh, uh, an issue would have been sorted and, uh, and out the way and no problem, but, but gossip just adds a bit of fuel. You tell somebody else or you say a bit more and it gets it going. It flares it up, it prolongs the difficulty, the agony, it spreads it. And it can do so much damage. 17 verse 9. Whoever covers an offence seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So the gossip has broken a relationship. No, we can't cover up everything. There are some things that need to be told. They're they're serious and they need to be dealt with. You have the responsibility, pass on. But there are other things that it's not necessary for us to pass on. We just do it out of spite or out of enjoyment. So Claire is late for work and uh, you notice you're not the manager. Uh, nor are you thinking of Claire joining your team. So it's not an immediate issue for you to to deal with or respond. Sometimes we have to respond or mention bad things to others where we're directly involved, but that's not really an issue for you. But you tell Julie and you tell Sandra and you tell Gabby and uh, maybe as well you exaggerate because it makes the story a bit better how late Claire was and... uh, You don't really know why Claire was late, but it adds a bit more spice if you suggest that you think things are difficult at home at the minute. So you add that to what's been said. And then people are just a little bit cooler towards Claire. Claire senses something. And what has happened? You've been spreading things which were unnecessary untrue and unkind. And in fact, perhaps you find out that Claire was late because she had a medical appointment and she agreed it with her manager anyway. It can do a lot of damage. That's just a little example, but it's one I expect we can relate to. In World War II, there was a phrase, loose lips sink ships. Loose lips sink ships. So if you went telling some of the information you know about where uh, troops were, where navy were, where ships were, there would be spies around who'd get back and it could lead to the downing of uh, of a convoy, the loss of lives. Loose lips sink ships. That can damage, can't it? you felt it, you've seen it, but you've done it. Talking of school assemblies, I remember doing one at St John's many years ago. I think the people that you normally go to St John's aren't here this morning. Maybe some of them are watching. But um, Mrs Cooper, she's still the head teacher there. I remember her telling me about uh, an assembly she'd done. And uh, she said, I, I got a tube of toothpaste. And uh, in front of them, perhaps on a tray, I squeezed all the toothpaste out of the tube. And then I said to the children, now put it back in. Of course, you can't. It's out. It's done. And it's like that when sometimes we gossip. Damage is done. And you can't put it back together again. Gossipy words. Words that hurt. Well, you may think, um, 
Sometimes it seems best to say nothing. And sometimes it is best to say nothing. 13.3 Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. 10 verse 19, when, many, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Another one I find quite amusing. 17, 28. Actually, when we don't say much, we can look smart, even if we're not a smart person. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. Somebody said, in knowing it was coming up this week, they remind me of James, chapter 1. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry. So there are words that hurt, and yes, sometimes it is best to hold back, keep them to ourselves. But we don't need to head for the monastery, and we don't need to make vows of silence. Our tongue is not just to be totally dormant because words can be used not just to hurt but also they can be used to heal. Words that heal. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. A a, a tongue used well is valuable. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. It's bubbling with life-giving goodness. Words that heal. What are some of the use of words which heal rather than hurt? Well, there are uh, gentle words. That's the alternative, really, to harsh words. Words which um, de-escalate the tension. A gentle word, a a soft word. 15-1. I find this so wise. A soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. You found that? You come in after work. You are hungry and angry. You have let them have it. You have passed on what you've said with irritation and with annoyance, but they seem concerned. They seem calm, they listen, they ask. Instead of chucking the grenade back, they, they're kind to you and uh, you're disarmed. You start to see reason. They say, would you like a cup of tea? They say, has it, has it been a bad day at work? They say, spaghetti bolognese tonight, your favourite. And a soft answer turns away anger. Instead of escalating upwards, it de-escalates downwards, gentle words. You think of Jesus, when he was insulted, he did not insult in return. You think of Jesus, when he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Even, even when you disagree with people and you need to disagree with them, Uh, even when you're in responsibilities of leadership, then words should still be gentle according to 2 Timothy 24. 2 Timothy 2 verse 24, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance. Gentle words. What else will help? Comforting words. Comforting words. You're feeling a burden. You're feeling weighed down. You're feeling burdened. What's one of the things that helps? 12.25 Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. But a good word makes him glad. Anxiety in a heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. It's like a, a magnet. It takes the weight off. It's like a, 
pump, putting life back into something that was deflated. The bad words, they can break the spirit, but soothing words give life. 15.4, a gentle or a soothing tongue is a tree of life but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Gentle words, refreshing words, life-giving words, fruitful words. Jesus, in the Old Testament, is described, Isaiah 50 and verse 4, or his words are anticipated, the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Comforting words. Was it quite recently? I was away, but I heard that uh, somebody spoke here about Jesus, a bruised reed. Will he not break? A smoking flax will he not quench? 1523, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. We were praying about that before the service that this, this morning might be a word in season, how good it is. Comforting words. You could have many to the list but just one final one. Good news words. Good news words. 15.30, so much of them were in chapter 15 and chapter 12, they're two of the key chapters. 15.30, the light of the eyes rejoices the heart and good news refreshes the bones. The light of the eyes, I think that's the equivalent of a smile, really, the brightness of somebody's face looking kindly in your direction. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart and good news refreshes the bones. Well, there's all sorts of good news. It's nice to pass on good news, positive things to others. But of course, the phrase good news makes us think of the gospel. It makes us think of, of the news about Jesus. It makes us think of Jesus saving. It makes us think of eternal life. It makes us think of the way of forgiveness. It makes us think that it is a great thing to pass on the good news of these things about Jesus to others. Ties in well with advertising the women's event Bold and advertising the Bridges and Barriers and Bridges event which we've got for men in a few weeks which is going to hopefully help us and encourage us in passing on the good news because that is a good use of our tongue. It's put slightly differently um, elsewhere in the Bible including Romans 10 um, where it gets us to think about our feet and what your feet are like. And it tells you one way in which your feet can be beautiful. They may not be the best shaped the feet in the congregation this morning. They, they may not be the most hygienic. You may have ingrowing toenails or corns or whatever. But there's one way in which your feet can be beautiful according to Romans 10 and verse 15. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So that is a way to use your tongue well, to pass on the good news of the gospel of Jesus to others in an appropriate way, which is winsome and kind and humble, wise, prayerful, bold. Good news words. So words can hurt, words can heal, words can be, if you like, the, the dagger. Our words can be like the dagger. Our words can be like the plaster. And just to finish, I don't know how you react this morning, but I think there's two things that we will probably feel we need. One is this. We need pardon. We need pardon. I remember when I was younger, uh, quite a few times my mum saying to me when I had used um, 
bad language, she would say, if you do that again, I'll wash your mouth out with soap and water. That was the threat of that generation, or maybe it was just our family threat. Never got round to it. I don't think I would have liked the idea of washing my mouth out with soap and water, but she was really saying, your mouth is unclean, and it needs something to, 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 to happen about it. And maybe as we've been listening this morning, actually we've realised our mouth is unclean. There's lots of times, this week even, where things have come out of our mouth. Our mouth has been too often like a dagger. We have said things about others and to others which were just not right and they're damaging, they're unhelpful. We feel bad before the Lord. And you know, there's somebody in the Old Testament who felt a bit like that. And that was a prophet and his name was Isaiah. And he said this in Isaiah 6, as he thought of the glory of God, he says, woe is me, I'm, I'm just sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm lost, he says, I'm undone. For, why does he say that? For I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. Just realise how bad my mouth has been used. Maybe you feel that this morning. But we go on a couple of verses to Isaiah and this happens. His lips are touched in, by angels in this special scene which occurs and they say, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for. His unclean lips found cleansing and forgiveness. And through Jesus and his death on the cross, we're reminded of that this morning, there is forgiveness and pardon for our mouths which need to be washed and which have been used so badly. Isn't that good news? Telling you the gospel this morning. Good news of salvation through Jesus, even for those who have had a life of unclean lips. Secondly, and we need help. We need help. We need the Lord's help. We want to pray for help. We want to pray for the help of the Holy Spirit in going forward. My last quote, Psalm 141 and verse 3 is a prayer. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Ironic in a way, on a week where um, a good many of us have, if you like, taken off the filter in front of our face, it's as if we're being reminded that there's another one that we do need there. We need the Lord's help to filter what comes out with our words. And it's good to pray, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. Let the meditation of, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Well, I would be surprised if you felt there was nothing relevant this morning. I would have thought you've just been sleeping through all these great proverbs. So there's things for us to think about, to ask for pardon, to pray for God's help. So before we have our last song, I am going to leave a little time for personal reflection and prayer because this should have been a searching message. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom of your word. So much in those Proverbs which really speaks into our situation. We have to confess that we haven't used our tongues, our mouths, as we should have done. Some of those hurtful examples of our use of tongue has been some that we have been involved with perhaps quite often, perhaps with quite a lot of consequences. Or maybe we wince as we just think of this last week and how snappy we were and how unkind we were. 
we can hardly believe it and we are men and women boys and girls of unclean lips we thank you that our sin can be atoned guilt can be taken away we pray for Jesus to take away all the uncleanness that's come out of our mouth we pray for help we want our tongues to be healing not hurtful we pray for a God to be put out over our mouth for you to give us wisdom to filter what comes out so that the things that come out are life-giving, helpful, a blessing to others, that they console, that they calm, that they bring peace, that they pass on the news of peace to others. Help us then, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, our closing song is on the theme of love, which is uh, so often behind a good use of tongue. Let love be found among us, the gift of God it is, the hallmark of his children, the sign that we are his. Let's stand to sing. of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight O Lord our rock and our redeemer Amen